Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, campus pastor at Conduit Church, Franklin, Tennessee, joined by our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. And uh, how was your Thanksgiving, Darren? You know, I ate a lot of stuff. <laughs> stuffing? Um, stuffing. Um, just in general, like... It was a, it was good. We we we're super low key. Like we don't we don't travel for Thanksgiving. I'm just too old for that. Yeah. Uh, and so it was good. We we hung out with uh, some family and uh, we ate a lot. And yeah, yeah. It was good. It was a good Thanksgiving yeah. for us too. The weather was great here in Nashville and had a lot of fun passing the football and bonfires and turkey and way too much pumpkin pie and we did all of the Thanksgiving things that you would think you would do on Thanksgiving. We did all of those right. things. And you had parents in from out of town. Family, yeah. Mom and dad made the drive. Yep. Just a couple of friends came into town early too. Um, got to hang out with them and it was just a really refreshing weekend. Um, and so with that though, we kind of anticipated maybe a lower Sunday mm. attendance wise, <clears throat> you know, because people are traveling out of town. Because it's normally a lower attendance Sunday, right? Like right it's, yeah. it's Thanksgiving normal, weekend. Yeah. It's one of the biggest holidays of yeah. the year. You can't even get your pants buttoned, so how can I go to church? That's true. Yep. That is actually still true today. Um, but we had a full house. Man. We had a full house. And it was really cool to see. It was very encouraging. Um, and we continued the sermon series, What's True About You? And into kind of the meaty portion. Talk about turkey and ham. We got into the meaty portion of Romans chapter eight. Yeah, I mean, this is the full. We are definitely in the full blown meat sweats. The meat sweats of Paul and his Romans uh, letter. Yeah, uh, specifically Romans eight fourteen through thirty. Praying like a son was the name of the teaching. Praying like a son, expectantly, patiently, purposefully. Yeah. Um, it was really good. It was it was a very encouraging. Honestly, it was a very encouraging teaching. Well, appreciate that. It was. Um, so here's the thing. So if this is if we're talking about the meat sweats, like Romans eight is like brisket. Okay. <laughs> you know, I had some brisket over the weekend. Right. I had a, a good friend of mine who had a birthday, and okay. he he his favorite thing to do on his birthday is to order brisket from Texas. He has oh. he has found this restaurant in Texas. See, this, this, yeah, yeah. He orders in the brisket yeah. ahead of time. And they they opened this thing, they cut it up, and it was unbelievable. And uh, and this is the point I'm making because brisket, you can screw it up, right? Right? Like you you know, and so it, sometimes you got to order it from Texas. But you got to be real careful on how you prepare it because you know <laughs> right. what was supposed to have been amazing is actually now you could strike a match on it. That's not the goal <laughs> no, at all. No, and, not at all. So, you know, when I was approaching Romans 8, I was like, okay, this is like the brisket of Romans. Like, I could mm. really screw this up and make it super dry. And so I'm trying to, I was trying to smoke it and, you know, <laughs> slow roast it and make sure that it came out in a way that, you know, that tasted good because it's, it is a, it's the best cut of Romans, I think. Oh, one of the yeah. cuts of it. So, um, and I, I think that what's so striking to me about Romans 8 is, I don't know how realistic it is. Maybe is the way I would say it. Um, realistic meaning that there are those that would 
say that uh, they would teach this entire chapter as the victorious Christian life. You know, who can separate us from the life? We haven't gotten yeah. there yet. But, uh, and that's true. Um, but there's also the, the realistic side of this, which is, man, there's a lot. You, you are in a fallen world. And so how do you have peace? How do you have these things in a world that is realistically, um, you know, a fallen world still? Uh, and, and by the way, Paul didn't have to explain that to anybody there. I mean, he's writing to a church, right, that had been, you know, exiled, a church that was in persecution. And so, you know, when we get to the verses this a uh, couple weeks into this, like, uh, you know, famine, persecution, uh, nakedness, all like that's not like a, a uh, like an ethereal list of hypotheticals for them. Those are right. It's happening. <laughs> yeah. The people in Rome were like, yeah, check nakedness. Yep. Check. Exiled. Yep. Check. Lost yeah. all my crap. Yep. Yep. Check. Check. Um, and the vast majority of the world with that. But somehow, like he uh, he's promised us peace no matter what is in no matter what's happening inside of us and no matter what's happening outside of us. We, there's a peace that he's promised us. And these few verses speak a lot about like w- what's happening inside of us, that we can still have that peace. Um, and it doesn't come from ignoring uh, what's happening. Because you know, if you think about it, how many times um, we've heard from, and not from everybody, but from some folks that even with like the deeper podcasts, like, you know, we don't really like you guys reading all the new stuff. Just you want to stick to the Bible and, you know, and, and I understand that. And there's many reasons for that. But one of the reasons that's not a good reason is that I just don't want to know about that stuff. True. Um, because if I don't know about it, then I don't have to worry about it. The Bible doesn't have, you know, the Bible doesn't require us to ignore it, uh, to have peace about it. The Bible actually is teaching us we can know about it and have peace about it. True. And so, uh, you know, we're obviously not everybody's cup of tea when it comes to that, but uh, it's one of the reasons we continue to talk about what's happening in our world, not just our culture, but the world, um, because God promised us peace in this stuff. And again, not by ignoring it, but by actually dealing with it. And so when he's, you know, he, he starts talking here in uh, about creation groaning. Um, yeah, verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning um it's an interesting it's an it's an interesting uh description that he mm-hmm. that he jumps to yeah well so he's he, he'll say that creation's groaning speaking of mankind all around us he says that christians were groaning inside of us and that, uh, so it's groaning around us groaning inside of us and the holy spirit who is groaning for us for us yeah so a lot of groaning uh going on in this and it's you can't be, the context is real clear. Verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Yeah. He's talking about we're living in a world that is like a complicated place. Yeah, so there's obviously the, the, the external of the world that's very complicated, and we're going to dive into some of that here in a bit. And then also just the day-to-day, like like you mentioned and you referenced uh, on Sunday, and that I experienced this morning, just rolling out of bed. <laughs> just the... <laughs> The inexplicable just groan. And even today, specifically, I mean, I, I, I got asked to jump into a, a Bible study with some guys that meet at 630 in the morning. Okay. Mm. I'm not a morning guy. And much less leading a, a comprehensive Bible study at 630 in the morning. Um, especially in, the, in the, the study that they're going through right now, which is Levitical law. And I was handed Leviticus 20. At 6.30 in the morning. At 6.30 in the morning. I'm talking about the penalty of sin for (laughs) 
you know, sleeping with your you know uncle's wife and uh there'd be some barn animal defiling in there that was chapter some barn animal yeah, defiling yeah. in that chapter as well and it's just like you know I woke up this morning, my alarm went off this morning, and, and I, there was a groan, I have to admit. I was groaning. I was not happy about it. Uh, but so, yeah, like the daily groan, just our bodies are groaning. I mean, we live in a fallen world. It's back to a Genesis 3. That's why we have thorns and thistles that poke out of the ground. Yeah. That's why our bodies live to, you know, 80, 90 years old. Yeah. I mean, that's that's over time. I mean, there's obviously plenty of examples in scripture in the early days when they were 800, 900 years old. I mean, what is a, what is a grown, what, I mean, what do you feel like when you right. roll out of bed at 700 years old? <laughs> I feel like, man, I've been around here about 600 years too long. So I'd be thinking, but by the way, I, there's a, there's a whole other sidebar, but you know, part of, uh, what that speaks of is earlier in mankind that, We've not been evolving better. We've actually been devolving worse. And so the more the generations have come, the more our genetic code has become defiled and worn down. And so, yeah. so you know, there's a there's a lot of people out there that would say that, you know, he, even at like when when Sarah was 78 years old, uh, she was, you know, we imagine someone who is 78 years old in our current context. Right. And so she was old, but it wasn't like that old by that context of, of no. you know, that she was. You know, it, I mean, she was still old enough, like where her, you know, her womb was so dry you could have struck a match on it. Like it wasn't like a chance where there were going to be uh, a baby in there. But she managed, you know, God still worked a miracle. But it's different meaning that it, now our genetics are uh, have changed. And I would even say that there, complete sidebar, um, men, and I've just learned this in the last few years that men today, like our testosterone levels drop off. Uh, starting at a much younger age and, and and at a much higher rate than it did just 50 years ago. 50 years ago. Right? And it's a very, very simple explanation, and that is that we switched from industrial, like, you know, revolution to modern, uh, where we're sitting down and we're, we're inside and we're, there was just something about the way that we were designed to be and to work that we're outside and, you know, Haitians are not dropping their testosterone levels. This is a purely Western problem. Wow, and, um, and it is across the board and without exception in, in males across the country in, in the United States, because we have, uh, for the most part, a, we live in a world where we are sitting and, uh, and typing and you know, talking on a phone with a way that not physical labor at all. Static environments yeah. versus dynamic, active environments. Yeah. So, yeah, when you look at the world is groaning. It's almost at every juncture when we have a modern technological advance in something, it actually comes at a cost to us personally, physically, emotionally, uh, and we are living literally in the throes of that in our country right now. Anxiety and depression, uh, you know, suicide at a rate that's unprecedented. Some of it because of you know more recent. Uh, health expert, whatever, but before, it was before that. And it's, you know, we weren't designed to live in houses where we didn't see each other. We weren't designed to live, you know, we were designed to live in community and in, in tribes. And in so it's, but whatever these, and we've had miraculous advances in technology and they're killing us inside, um, which, man, it's just, it's so amazing because it's like, that's what Paul was saying. Like, mankind is 
creation is subjected to frustration is the uh, is the NIV version of it. Uh, the King James is vanity, but it's the same kind of idea, which is that uh, we can't save ourselves. We keep trying to do these things to make our lives better. And then in this weird way, it actually makes it worse. And yet we continue to try over and over and over again to make it better. And it continues to make it worse. So mankind was subjected to the creation, verse 20, subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay. And the way we're going to be you know, liberated from bondage to decay is that we will cry out, we will receive the salvation that Christ offers, and when creation is restored, we'll be restored with it. But every attempt we make, whether it's Elon Musk getting us into space, you know, because that's really how far this has come in their world. Like, the only way we're going to save ourselves is if we can colonize Mars or some other planet. Um, and subjected to frustration because over and over again, we keep coming back to this. It just doesn't work. Yes. And so in context of kind of where things are right now in the world, if we zoom way out, um, we see that like, like we read this and we, we see that our hope is in a restoration, right? That, the, mm-hmm. that we cannot do this on our own. Yes. That left to our own devices, it's total depravity, every man for himself, you know, that's why, that's why the Lord spoke and wrote Leviticus Levitical law of all the things you can possibly think of and are doing, don't do those things. Yeah. Like, and, and, and so you read, we read that right and we think, okay, well, you know, I've driven by donkeys and it's never occurred to me one time to, you know, do anything inappropriate, but I've traveled the world. Sure. Okay. And in, in mankind at our base culture or our base state, like we do, we make up all kinds of crazy things to do. Right. So when you're reading Leviticus, some of that stuff, maybe we wouldn't say we wouldn't do, but there's a lot of stuff in there we would do. Right. Um, and it, it's humans, man, there's nothing new under the sun. We, and so in our hope, our hope is the great restoration. Okay. Yeah. The world, as we're seeing right now, it's the phrase that we've been talking about for about, a, about the past year. And if you're listening and you're recently listening, um, you may have heard us talk about the Great Reset. You may have heard it in the news, the Great Reset. So believers are looking for, looking towards, put our hope in a great restoration, that the Lord would restore all of these things unto him. And yeah, so this this Great Reset thing. And then, the, yes, then there's a Great Reset initiative. Like, this, this the first time I got a whiff of this was... the. Klaus Schwab's The Fourth Industrial Revolution book. I don't recommend it. It was, I don't know how many hours of my life I'm not getting back. But I um, I didn't really, uh, I, I didn't grasp. This has probably been three, maybe four years ago. I can't yeah. remember when this book came out. 2016. 2016. Oh, wow. Five years ago. Anyway. Um, I, but as is always the case, like when something like that happens, like this is an idea that they're floating out there because they're actually building a case for and when I you know I always hate to use the word the language of they because when I start you start they I don't know who they are um, but there's a they out there absolutely and, and there's a they and, and you know I don't know that they're you know sitting uh, you know, in a room like with you know with robes and you know pentagrams and sacrificing lambs no, or nothing not, but not doing that yeah. necessarily 
Yeah, what they are doing is they have decided that the way to save humanity. And, and it, by the way, this makes sense when you when you think about it, just completely logically. If you've made the amount of money that Bill Gates has made, it's not about the money anymore, right? You know, Klaus, he's not about the money. Klaus right. Schwab. The, you know, it, so at some point, that hole, the frustration that, that Pasquale speaks of, the great hole in our heart that can only be filled by God. They done figured out it can't be filled by money, right? right? Bill Epstein, uh, Bill Epstein, well, Bill Gates on Epstein Island, you know, he was trying to fill uh, with a lot of stuff in his heart, and uh, who knows what what he was doing there, but he was clearly hanging around in some places doing some crazy stuff. But at some point, if you've got, you know, screw you money, which is what they've got, uh, what's left? Save the world. Save the world, and they believe that they can. That's the thing. They truly believe that they the can. The arrogance of that they can now save the world. Now, I will say that uh, the one thing that we would agree on theologically, they wouldn't say this or not, is that the world needs saving. <laughs> True. You know what I mean? Like, like we're we, at least can come to that right. agreement. Yeah, we can at least come to this conclusion that the world needs saving. Uh, when these guys are making their you know their play for longevity and you know to live hundreds of years, we we could also agree that we're all going to die. So, there are some theological terms that we could actually uh, agree on, but they're saving the world yeah so for those that may not know like the world economic forum the wef they're an international non-governmental um lobbying organization based out of switzerland okay so that's schwab's headquarters and the world economic forum is based in geneva switzerland um they've been this has existed since 1971 71 that's when it came out yeah okay. i didn't know that 1971 and it's mostly funded by a 1000 member organization of companies. So and these are some of the, the richest companies in the world. By the way, that's important because people hear World Economic Forum, you think, I think, government funded, this is like the UN or whatever, so these are governments that are funding this, which by the way is not a good idea either, that always ends poorly, but, yeah. it's but this is not, not this. Not that, it's non-governmental. This is a private sector yes. organization. With a thousand, it's a thousand member, um, organization representing a thousand different companies from across the globe and views its mission as quote unquote improving the state of the world by engaging business political academic and other leaders of society to shape global regional and industry agendas and Jeez. they they do this once a year they, they get together in davos switzerland and they talk about these things and it was it was about two or three years ago where this idea was floated out of the Great Reset. Um, the forum suggests that, a, I'm reading this from their website, the forum suggests that a globalized world is best managed by a self-selected coalition of multinational corporations, governments, and civil society, civil society organizations, which it expresses through initiatives like the Great Reset and the Global Redesign. So many of the things that take place around the globe or that we see put in place, lang familiar language that's used from country to country, world leader to world leader, it's definitely not a coincidence. They are truly reading from the same playbook. So when you hear phrases like the Great Reset, which they literally put out marketing videos last year about. Um, different countries released them. This idea that the COVID-19 pandemic ushered an opportunity 
to reset the globe. Like, we've screwed this up. We've gotten this point in humanity. What a great opportunity. Now that we're all locked down and we're all um, at a point where we need to do something together globally at the same time, let's reset how we do things. I remember seeing some of those videos and thinking, uh, if I were watching like a George Orwell movie film, like a recreation of Animal Farm or whatever, like they could have just rolled one of those commercials in that movie as something going on in their world, and I wouldn't have blinked about it. Oh my God, that's exactly like, this crazy <laughs> right. stuff. Like it's, and I'm watching it going, oh, but dear God, that's not what's happening. These, this is actually real live stuff. And so when you know that this is, this is the agenda or this is the playbook that they're using, they see this as an opportunity. That's when that's when you get these. Um, divergent ideas that, well, maybe they created the problem in order to create an opportunity to fix the problem. And that's where it kind of gets down roads that are conspiratorial and it gets a little muddy. But the the more this plays out... (laughs) Whether they caused it or not, they're not going to waste it, right? No, they're not going to waste it. They're not going to waste it. And one of the points I wanted to get to, um, this is leading somewhere, but they (laughs) they they have four core... Um, beliefs as far as the Great Reset. And also, when you hear the Great Reset, it's also termed build back better. So I know, obviously, the, the our current administration is using that language. Trudeau in Canada has been using that language for the past year. And other countries are using that language. Build back better. Uh, it's, it's synonymous for the Great Reset. Um, and that's kind of what this this massive spending bill was birthed out of um, the, the the build back better bill <laughs> is is all coming from this ideology and so anyways one of their first core principles reads this it says to change our mindset that we are inherently good that's their first core principle and they believe this they believe that uh, it is a deep-seated myth that humans are intrinsically selfish, uncooperative, and aggressive. They believe that's a myth and that they want to change our thinking and that after two, this is again from their website, after 200,000 years of human history shows that we are in reality hardwired to be kind, cooperative, and caring. But we run our countries, our civic institutions, our companies, schools, and often even our families based on this deeply negative and incorrect assumption about human behavior. And I would bet every single one of the guys signing off on this have locks on their doors. (laughs) Yeah, and probably armed security guards. Yeah, 100%. Traveling around. Yeah, the idea that they believe that is, uh, is complete nonsense because if they've got armed guards, locked doors, uh, fences around their properties, they are saying that uh, humanity is inherently bad. <laughs> it's, it makes no sense. It makes right? no sense. And it only makes sense if you are uh, claiming to become wise, they became fools. You know, Paul promised uh, that was going to happen. And the idea that, you know, because I'm assuming what they're, what, what they're really saying is that uh, humans just, uh, how do they say, they just need to learn to re- re- do our mind over again or something like that? Like re- Yeah. So in other words, if I just got to change my mind. Change your mind. Like Change our mindset is their first core value. Yeah. So think about how stupid that is for anyone 
that has ever struggled with a sexual temptation, who has ever struggled with an anger issue. Uh, I mean, you and I, we sit, we sit across the table from people all the time struggling with stuff. You know, and there's that old Bob Newhart sketch. Just where, well, stop. just stop it. Yeah. Stop it. You know, and you're, if you're sitting here, you're thinking, well, dadgum, I didn't think of that. I'll, I'll just stop it. I didn't think I could. Right. And the reason is, is it's not that simple. No. And the reason it's not that simple is that humans in our hearts need a savior. And it's not going to be a simple change your mindset. Now, the irony to me, honestly, the, the blasphemy of this is they're taking a biblical idea because God, you know, in Romans 12, we're not there yet, is going to talk about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. Right. Um, and they're basically taking that and saying, well, we can do this without, you know, without the gospel. We can do this right. without God. On our own. And all we got to do is, you know, transform you by the renewing of your mind. Now, the problem when I hear people like that talking about renewing your mind, I start thinking about re-education camps. I start thinking yeah, about true. the education of, you know, the Department of, you know, language and thinking and you know, that doesn't make, that's a terrifying thought. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, even some listening may even think that our public school system in America has its own re-education, not camps, but there's been an ideo- ideology infiltrated into our public school systems nationwide to think differently. Oh, 100%, right? I mean, that's the, Colleges and universities. God for our teachers who are Christians, who are you know, railing against it and are, you know, being voices of common sense in this. I think of Donna Henderson. Or They're missionaries. Swain. They're missionaries in this stuff. But, you know, yeah, the, the idea that um, we, the, the, the curriculums, the ideologies that are being inserted into this stuff um, are clearly coming from uh, a, a place that is anti-Christ, but it's very humanistic, very secular, very... Uh, and back to Romans 8, it's very frustrating because at yeah. the end of the day, uh, it's it will leave the leave us in the same place we started, which was this giant Pasquale, you know, God-shaped vacuum in our lives that can only be filled by God. And by the way, that's an act of kindness on his part, because if we're honest and we try all these other things and they don't work, eventually, he says, so that we would one day be, you know, the hope is that we, he subjected us to this. It's like, he of all the things that he's, I'm going to do, I'm going to leave this hole in you, and you're going to try to fill with everything else out there, but you're only going to find it with me. You're only going to fill it there. And so it is a, an invitation back to it, an invitation to anybody here that you've, you've tried it with education, you've tried to fill it with, uh, with, with your Instagram following or whether you're, you know, your influencer platforms or getting views on your reels or whatever it is. <laughs> right. Like it's, you know, it's just not going to happen. And so it, it keeps us coming back to, to him for that. One of the other ways they want to police this, and it's so funny, they even use words like surveillance and police and there's there's a control element it's like in one breath they're saying we're all inherently good we just need to think better about each other and on the the next breath they're telling us for our own safety we want to surveil everyone to make sure everyone's behaving wow and part of the world economic forum and their cronies is one of the things they want to see is an increased surveillance they believe that it's necessary for a reset that, that more more surveillance uh, equals more safety, that it's um, it's in the name of public health that we would love our brothers and sisters by watching one another. Wow. Um, 
And so we're seeing this already, right? We're seeing this already. Obviously, COVID has brought all kinds of opportunities for this. And so one of the things that they are sponsoring is what's called the Common Pass. They've partnered with another company called the Common Trust Network, and it's the digitalization of individuals to have your own digital ID. If you don't have your digital ID yet, which I'm trying to figure out how to get one. <laughs> like, I'm just curious to know, like, yeah. where do you sign up for this? I just want to know. But at some point, each of us will have our own digital ID. Like, that is for sure coming. Just as if, just like we, um, those of us in the US, we all have a social security number, right? At some point, it will be required for each of us to have our own digital ID. Like, that is in the works, 100%. Um, and, and you'll need that to even access like the metaverse, to access online accounts. Um, like that will be yeah. a universal key for you to access these um, modern conveniences. It, and, and again, like I, it's almost like there's a part of me that I feel like I need to take a break just so I can like, okay, wait, what? <laughs> because this the World Economic Forum is not a government entity, and by the way, that wouldn't matter to me. I would still wouldn't trust them. Sure. But most of my progressive friends, most progressives that I know, you know, they've, they've always believed that governments are the answer and that corporations are these evil things and they got to destroy them. And so for, for that to be supported by corporate media, by the majority of progressive politicians, that a thousand billionaires are funding this like they're supposed to hate that stuff now the irony is by the way because i'm a conservative and i uh, i have a whole lot of conservatives as far as social or uh, politically as far as financially you know i i think capitalism is you know it's not a perfect system but it's the best one we got out there it's set a lot of people free it's created a lot of uh bringing a lot of people out of poverty so i'm supposed to be four billionaires that are succeeding and creating jobs but i'm over here thinking like god am i just turned into bill maher because <laughs> this is absolute insanity that that, that a bunch of billionaires who are saying that the world is inherently good, that mankind is, and all we need is this little common pass. And here, by the way, we will write the check to, to give it to you. I mean, I mean, the, the irony to me, Bill Gates, by his own credit, social credit, whatever, whatever goes into this thing, would actually fail that. I mean, he's was a philanderer. He was sexually uh, harassing, abusing his power. You know, Melinda didn't leave him. Uh, you know, just because she got bored. I mean, this is, of course, nobody was talking about it because we weren't allowed to blaspheme Bill Gates because it might hurt the COVID thing or whatever. But, but now it's it's too late and everybody's talking about it. You know, he's that's one of the guys that says this is what we need to be doing, and he's the guy that says we need to. The man is inherently good. I would love to ask a couple of the people, right, a couple of the women that he abused his power with, whether they think uh, Bill is a good guy or not, right. Yeah, and you talk about the billionaires. Core number two, core belief number two is create new metrics. Measure what matters, okay? And so their concept is that measuring things by GDP, gross domestic product, it fails um, to give the whole picture. So it it says GDP measures wealth and ignores distribution, (laughs) <laughs> it fails to even register the human and financial costs of capitalism. So their idea is that it there there needs to be a new metric that doesn't measure um, it doesn't measure capitalism or doesn't measure your GDP what you're able to create. You should be measuring how well you're distributing it. 
That's core principle number two. <laughs> Question by that, I guess, would be uh, based upon who's distributing it. Like, do they do they outline? Is it they get to be the ones to distribute it? Then are they the? It's a great question. It's just a core principle. It's an ide- ideological core principle that we are measuring. We are the metrics we're using for equality are incorrect. And it, I, I, oh my gosh! So it's like I listen to that and I think I, I don't disagree with that. That the metrics of how we are measuring uh, the globe right now are inadequate. They're inadequate. They're inaccurate. They're but. To like to just say okay, but you guys are going to be the ones to decide. You know that that's how we get the Hunger Games. I mean, that, you know, <laughs> it's re- we really are kind of inching closer to the Hunger Games, yeah. are we not? Did you did you see the Adele concert? No, I, I no, I haven't. I okay, have so it. I I I would not have other than I was in a hotel in Billings, and uh, was that in uh, at the conservatory? Yes, and. And so what I saw, I was literally, I was like incredulous. I'm watching this going, I mean, first of all, Adele can still sing, so good for Adele. Yeah. You know, she, she looks good and congratulations. But um, but the, 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 the crowd, it's literally uh, a handful, you know, hand-picked people, and it's yeah. all these famous people like Gordon Ramsay and uh, uh, what's the what's the carpool karaoke guy, James Corden? You yeah. Know, and they're all dressed up, and they're like costumes, and they, you know, these, they weren't costumes, they were just dressed, but... Uh, and I'm literally thinking, this is the freaking Hunger Games. Like yeah, literally, Oprah comes out, and, and Adele's got her big, you know, big shoulder, you know, things, wow. and um, and nobody's wearing masks. Yeah. Uh, and and they, but they're allowed to because they're, you know, they're creating this entertainment for us. So in the middle of Los Angeles, right? Which is locked down. Like tighter. Seventy percent of restaurants in Los Angeles 70%. are closed. But here on top of the conservatory are these... <laughs> top of a mountain overseeing yeah. the peasants. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they had their... I think they had a, t- a couple of token poor people, but the rest of them were these wealthy, powerful, elite people. And I'm like, who's going to volunteer for tribute? Because this wow. is... And, but they didn't they, they didn't even see the irony in it of no. like... The, the optics at best were uh, terrible. Um and of course, I mean everybody's gushing, you know how amazing Adele is. And again, congratulations, Adele. She's great, you know, you know. But uh, this, the idea that this right now is how we're going to save the world, and you know, look, uh, Jesus is coming back, and you know, I don't know when. I will hope sooner than later. Um, and so, so a lot of this stuff is. I mean, it's just the frustration of Romans 8. Like, it's funny, I'm actually you know, subjected to frustration. Yeah, I'm, like, yeah, I'm frustrated. So yeah. apparently I'm being subjected to frustration <laughs> right now because I'm looking at this thinking that's just so dumb. Yeah, I mean, how, how does humanity try to save itself? I mean, yeah. this, is what, this is what we're living in right now, right? We're living in a world, a world that is trying to save itself through science, through political ideologies, through just doing better and then telling everyone else just to do better and then measuring it yeah with technology uh, we're trying to save ourselves we're doing it's almost as if we're doing everything we could possibly do without admitting or looking to Jesus Christ as a savior yeah i would i would only add one thing it's not almost like that it's just exactly yeah, like that that's, where that's we are. exactly what's happening and that you know it's true of rome it's true of Babylon, you know, it's yeah. true of China, it's true, it's true of America. 
um, this idea that we can uh, save the world, save ourselves, you know, without God. You know, I wasn't around during World War One or World War Two, and I'm, I'm not as confident in my history um, during that era as I should be. But is this? 2022 almost you know we're a month away from 2022 mm, I don't want to talk about that um, but in the time that we're in right now is this is this one of the first times where there's a global agenda a global incentive to redo the entire structure of I mean we're talking there's there's a financial agenda happening to restructure all things financial yeah to restructure all things, um, even even our, our products and how they get around the globe, or supply chains, yeah. to restructure um, surveillance across the globe, just to travel between countries, to um, to restructure how we deal with public health. Yeah. So the short answer is no. Okay. Um, World War One brought the League of Nations. That's okay. true. Yes. War, to end all wars. Now I would say that. Um, the extensive nature of what we have now is is more far-reaching because of technology and because of the interconnectivity of our economy. The speed in which yeah. this is happening, perhaps. You know, and so after World War II, uh, the United Nations comes, and it's where, okay, and now, okay, we're all going to come together, and we're going to, this will never happen again. You know, which is like, that's the, the part that's so hilarious to me, like, like 200,000 years of human history, my butt, like, right, we, like, just the last 70 years, like, we've, you know, we haven't gotten better. Um, and before that, it was colonialism. I mean, it was, uh, we're going to spread into, and so you've got the conquer. Yeah, we're going to conquer this, and we're going to spread in, and we're going to, we're going to make these guys, you know, better now because we're bringing our culture into this thing. And so whether it was the French Revolution, right, or you could literally go back like 500 years of Anglo-Saxon history at least. And uh, and before that, I've not done it, but I'm sure you would find it lining up, you know, you know, the, the Medes and the Persians and the Ottomans and, you know, there's all, it's empire building um, yeah. is what they was called it. But what the empire building really was, was conquering the world, which was their version of saving the world. We're going to now be our world our, you know, so the Roman Empire, we're bringing our roads and we're going to bring trades and we're going to, you know, but, uh, but, but the problem when you're try, trying to save the world is somebody still has to be in charge of the world. <laughs> True. Right? Yes. Right. And so, you know, to, I will say this, this is the first time I could think of that it was private sector. To, to me, the, the one thing that is I'm completely fascinated by yeah. is that, you know, I've, I've said it, George Orwell wasn't a prophet. He was a historian. He was just saying, this is what's happened here and it's happened before. So we're all going, God, how did he know that? Like, what had already happened? Sure. C.S. Lewis, same thing. But the one difference that's new to this that I don't quite have a, a, a wheelhouse for is the private sector version of this. Yeah. You know, whether it's social media companies falling in line um, to control speech, whether it's uh, the World Economic you know, form because World Economic Forum right now, as, as best I can tell, has more power than the Who, right? Like they've got more power. Oh yes, right? Yes, I mean because the Who is one sing singular organization with donations coming from countries all over the world. However, the World Economic Forum is thousands of of companies from the private sector and leaders from countries, representative from countries. Um, governments across the globe all symbiotically coming together for um, an agenda 
or or a, a plan. Agenda has a negative connotation, and in this case, it very well may be. But yeah. um, they they truly believe that they together that these entities could come together with their power, with their resources, with their platform to create a plan that gets us out of the situation we are in as a globe. Wow. So in a weird way, like, you know, Klaus Schwab, Schwab and the whole thing, like with the fourth industrial revolution, like, you know, whether the, uh, whether the coronavirus coming out of the Wuhan lab was convenient or whether it was planned, either way, they have, you know, carpe diemed that thing, man, seize the, the day. Seize um, the day. Yeah, I mean... One of the other things that we can kind of jump in and jump out of this real quick too is, um, you know, Google and Apple are all in on on health surveillance as well. That's another thing that's big time in the works. You're probably going to see a hundred different Apple Watch ads uh, heading into Christmas about their new Apple Watch that has unbelievable uh, abilities, technological abilities to track your health in this new Apple Watch 8, I think it is. Um, and it's part of their their new division out of Apple called Verily. And no, not Verily, I'm sorry. That's the Google That's one. the Google one. So Google has Verily, which is their new health division. Apple's health division is simply called Apple Health. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so creative. <laughs> um, but both of these are all in, have gone all in on health surveillance. They, you know, again, that word surveillance has a negative connotation as well. But that's that's just what they're calling it. That's just what it is. They they feel like being able to track one's health with digital IDs, so all of your your doctor records, all of your shots, your vaccines, your um your your health, um your your heart rate, your blood pressure, if you're diabetic, your sugar levels, all of these things can be in one central location, one mainframe accessed at any time, anywhere. And it's convenient, right? Um, but you can see very quickly that if we are a depraved humanity, how that can get sideways pretty fast as well. Um, it, Which is that's the thing. So you, I can. So, I mean, look, I'm wearing a Whoop and an Apple Watch. Okay, a Whoop. What is a Whoop? Whoop. This, remember that? <laughs> that was a great song. Um, it, it basically the whoop the main pro, the main purpose of the whoop as best I can tell is to tell me that I really suck at sleeping. That's so is a, it a sleep specific. Uh, it's it's not. It actually measures your recovery and your activity. I don't, you, yeah, I don't know if you know this or not, but I fancy myself an athlete. And you do? I, uh, yeah, yeah. Very, what is your athlete? What is your sport of choice? Well, lifting heavy things and groaning is basically <laughs> with my extent of mine. But but it, but it measures you know your your breathing your you know so that if you've recovered a percentage wise and like let's say I had a you know bad recovery yesterday I can rest more today whatever. But. Like this is all filing into somebody's database somewhere. Yeah, mainframe network. You know, there's a part of me that, and I used to be one of these guys that was like, well, I'm not doing anything. You know, nefarious. Nefarious. What do I care? I hide whatever you know. But the problem with that logic is, uh, who gets to decide what's nefarious or not? Like, what's the like, there are things that you and I believe, you know, the scripture teaches and the, you know, that, that is literally considered criminal in some countries. Sure. Um, well, and maybe even our own country. And soon to be, right? <laughs> and so so there's a whole lot of that now where I'm like, well, I, you know, look, I need to get my Proton email and I need to probably flush this Apple Watch down the toilet because the last thing I want is them digging around in my stuff. Like, I'm becoming that guy. Getting off the grid. Yeah, like... <laughs> 
I'm that guy now. And, <laughs> uh, and I come by it honestly. Like, I didn't want to be that guy, but sure. they, they're not making it easy. You know, no. when you've got the WHO or the World Economic Forum, who knows how many billions of dollars have to create a common pass that will keep all that stuff together. And, and who, you know, who knows whether they win the day on that or if it's another company that wins, but somebody is going to win it and they're going to have. When I when I travel so look, look when I travel right now and I go to Uganda okay I got to show them that I've uh, that I've got the vaccines yellow fever and whatever and and right and if anybody's traveled globally you know that a yellow card is a piece of yellow card stock that is handwritten and I literally could create and forge one of those tomorrow and even vaccine. Uh, cards right now they're pretty easy to come by and there is no central database yet so that is the the push to if, if you're wondering is there going to be a push to centralize this and to get on an app right now if I just walk into like my daughters are going to the Korean pop concert BTS whatever thing you know uh, in LA and they've got their little vaccine cards but those were handwritten they entered I'm sure they've entered into their technology you know but but those are easily forgeable, and there is no central database where which they check and see whether it is, you know, like when you get pulled over by the sure. by the popo, like you, they're going to look at your your record there, and they can see what you run know. your plates, yeah, yeah. And, and pull up a database of information. Yes, yeah. Well, it's being built. Yeah, congratulations. It's being built for for all of that. I mean, even even the Biden administration has talked about even just inter um, interstate travel being being not banned. But yeah, I guess that is the word banned Um, without a vaccine. You know, if you were to fly from Washington to Florida, Mm -hmm. you would have to check, you know, your your vaccine status before getting on a plane. Um, And that's one of the things I mean, the common pass framework is actually being tied to and integrated to flight and hotel uh, companies right now. And and maybe this would be a good time to bring up. because all of a sudden the news is full. The Omicron. Of, yeah, of um, Omicron variant that is, uh, that the world is shutting down. And I was, uh, <laughs> man, so I was, I, I was at the airport at like five this morning dropping my kids off, you know, to go see a concert in L.A. And uh, and good for them, whatever, they're having their little adventure. But, but I did something I haven't done in a while. Uh, and then I remembered pretty quickly after why I had not done it in a while, which was I turned NPR on. Oh, wow. Um and I used to love the NPR. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, but I, I, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. And so this morning they're talking about the Omicron uh, variant and like it's this terrifying thing. And in uh, in <laughs> this article that I, I mean, I'll, this is just one. They, they interviewed one of the main guys that actually discovered this thing um, in South Africa, and it's literally saying that. Uh, this is from South African doctor credited with uh, finding this variant. All the patients they've seen have had extremely mild symptoms. Extremely mild, not just mild symptoms. Yeah. One Israeli coronavirus expert said that the variant's less severe symptoms, uh, and this proves to be the norm, it's going to be a relatively mild illness compared to Delta. And paradoxically, if it takes over, it would actually lead to lower infection rates. Um and when you start listening to these guys that were that have sounded the alarm, I mean, the governor of New York declares a medical emergency. There's not a single confirmed case of this in New York. State of emergency in New York. And it is literally, well, just in case. Like, we don't know. <laughs> right. But just in case. Um, it, we're, we're almost two years in, and 
I'm, so I'm, I'm, I guess I want to say that to say that if anybody's listening to this and you've not been following the actual news and you're only hearing the terrifying things about this Omicron you know, variant, whatever, there is absolutely zero evidence that it is any more dangerous. In fact, the, the beginning evidence is that it's less dangerous. Correct. And by the way, less dangerous than a not very dangerous virus to begin with is not very dangerous. So, also known as really good news. Right. I'm like, you just freaking buried the lead. Like NPR is like, oh my gosh, we're, you know. And then NPR, by the way, follows that with a story. And and I want to make sure that, I don't know, I feel like I always feel obligated to say this because it is it is true that I don't want to be think that I'm cavalier, that I have known people that have died from COVID-19. I There is a specific person that this has been a risk to. There are people that have been harmed by it. And maybe it's my Enneagram 5 or whatever, but I can divorce myself from the emotion and say that the statistical probabilities are still the same, that I have a 99.5% chance of surviving this. Uh, and I just feel like I want to say that I'm not being cavalier, but because follow the NPR story, they, they, they go right into, and oh my gosh, the Michigan hospitals are completely overwhelmed right now. This is what we, in fact, she starts this story, this little probably 28-year-old, you know, recent Stanford grad NPR reporter making 30000 a year. Probably She starts with, yeah, back when we told you to flatten the curve because we didn't want to overwhelm hospitals. Well, that's what it looks like. This is what it looks like. And so she leads off with that and that a coronavirus is overwhelming the hospitals. And then literally like a, a, of a five to seven minute story, one sentence about six minutes in, she says, oh, and by the way, there's, uh, there's this whole other thing happening, which is all these people that had left their health care decisions because of the pandemic, they, they put off care. They're overwhelming. And so by, literally by November 16th, okay, two weeks ago, there were stories coming out of Michigan saying that... Uh, the, the factor that is pushing hospital capacities in Michigan, and this is from Michigan Business, the, you, you, the Free Press Detroit, like they're all running stories back then that said uh, it's caused by people who delayed care in earlier in the pandemic and are now seeking treatment, Dr. Daryl Amucci, president of Spectrum Health West Michigan said. My, my point being, wow, th- there's a problem in Michigan, and it is not so simple as it's not Omicron-based. It's, it's just literally we've got... Uh, irresponsible, at best irresponsible, and at very worst uh, nefarious uh, ideas of why we're pu- pushing narratives like this to scare people into, you know, and, and by the way, they also reported in uh, this NPR story that the minute the Omicron uh, report comes out, oil, press, oil prices crashed. Right. You know, we were, they were like, just a week ago, we're talking about the reserves because oil prices are so high. And in, with one report out of, you know, South Africa and nations are starting to shut down and Biden cancels, you know, travel from just in case. Right. And they're crashing the economy and acting like that's a good thing. Like acting like that we, well, by crashing the economy, that more people aren't going to die. And we're just doing this just in case. Anyway. I'm, it's where we're at. It's where I'm we're on at. rant mode. <laughs> it's easy to get. It's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to groan about these creation things. Has been, <laughs> creation has been subjected to frustration, and but we're we're yeah. living in the real world. Like these are these are actual day to day things we're having to deal with. These are day to day things that we are faced with. They're coming at us a hundred miles an hour. It changes every day. The rules get changed every day. Yes. Um, the 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 goals get moved every day. 
it's just a lot to keep up with. Yeah. And we've decided, at least you and I have decided to keep up with it, um, to provide clarity. Yeah. Hopefully, to provide clarity yeah. um, through the the what we used to call, what I call the the fog of war, because <laughs> um, we are we're at war um, with culture, with news, with misinformation, with the truth. Like there's there's a lot to to comb yeah. through, and so hopefully providing some clarity for some folks. Yeah, I guess that when I think about it that way, like for a little bit, I was like, okay, should we really be doing this? Should we really? But you know, when you talk to people one on one. Which I've I've done and I know you have as well and, and and you you mentioned something about like like when I I promise you the, the next ten conversations I have with people about Omicron I tell them about that actually it's like the symptoms are super mild and nobody like they won't know that and here's why they don't know that because they have a life yeah like they're trying to live their life they're not you know, digging into the news and they're not and you know and God bless them and I you know that's good like I'm not saying that's a bad thing but the 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 point is, is that if somebody isn't doing this, and all we're all we're going to hear is what a corporate media sponsored by Pfizer is going to tell us, um, you know, somebody gets to be the watchman in this thing. Like somebody yeah. gets to, and uh, so it's in some ways, I feel like that's what we we've been called to do. Um, yes. And again, not everybody appreciates that. Not everybody enjoys that. But there are, uh, for me, the piece that I get when I get information, because by the way, if, if the information was, you know, dear God, this Omni, uh, Omicron thing is like terrible and people are bleeding out of their eyes. Yeah, we, we need to address well, it. I want to address that too, but that's not what they're saying. They're saying the antithesis of that. There is not a shred of evidence that this is more dangerous. There's not a shred of evidence that it is more transmissible. And yet every report from corporate media leads with possibly more transmission, possibly. And they're hiding behind possibly. But that's the narrative because nobody heard possibly. All they heard was, oh, she's right, we're going to shut the world down again. We're going to do lockdowns. We're going to. Well, uh, I mean, yeah. Vaccination rates have plummeted over the past few months. And so <laughs> just across the globe, it's slowing down. So there needs to be some sort of something to help ramp those back up, even though the goalposts have changed for that even, you know, how good is it even, how long is it even good for? In the UK, your booster as of yesterday is only good for three months. They made that statement. This, the, the, the Department of Health in the United Kingdom changed their, your booster is good. It was for six months. As of today, your booster is good for three months. You need a new one. So it's the booster that's good for three months. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This yeah. is literally going to be a streaming platform. Like we're going to stream yeah, just vaccines. A subscription, subscription-based boosters once a month. Just sign up. CVS, Walgreens, just show up and get your booster once a month. Wow. You know, we're, obviously we're being a little facetious here, little. and we get it. But do you see? <laughs> do you see the progression that we've we've kind of gone through over? A year ago, you know, I pulled up a podcast that we did a year ago just to kind of see what we were talking about because it would have been December of 2020. Um, and we were talking about masks and um, how it was starting to create division within the community and how we were having to make decisions just about, you know, about wearing a mask. You know, the the, the vaccine wasn't even out yet. Right. Um, and we were going through, obviously, a uh, an election at that time. And... I remember one of the things we talked about was, you know, you think this conversation around masks is complicated. Wait until the vaccine. And we, uh, we that, said that. Yeah. Whoops. And that it just seems so <laughs> far away. But here we are. Um, the point being, and, you know, we need to wrap this up, is is that this isn't going away. This is the world that we live in. Hopefully, if we have some context, 
to what is happening around us, viewed through the eyes of Scripture, um, viewed through the the words of even Romans 8, that we can have context and know that our hope is in a great restoration, yeah. Okay, that we put our hope in a restored earth, in a restored uh, life through him and not through a man-made reset. Yeah. Um, but we're living in a world that's trying to reset things. And so how do we as believers live in this paradox, right? How do, how do we live? How do we encourage one another? How do we warn one another's one another? How do we um, lift each other up in, in a time that's a lot of confusion? How can we bring clarity to that through what scripture says and through what the spirit is leading us to do? Yeah. And I, I take so much hope from the, the Romans eight idea that by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God, we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Dad. Yeah, man. You know, if you uh, if you ever were little and you cut your knee or whatever, and you run inside, you know, you you're looking for your dad to help you that. And that's, you know, it's, it's sort of ironic and hilarious because I'm realizing I bet my Apple Watch is telling me my heart rate is up. By the way, I've been <laughs> it, it isn't yet, but I bet it's there. Yeah. Uh, but that is like me. One more reminder of like uh, the the transformation of if I'm trying to get my hope from the world making sense, could yeah. I finally could I give up that point at this point because it's not going to make sense. Um, and so, but that that frustration drives me back to Abba Father. Um, because he gives us peace, whether what's going on around us or what's going on inside of us, we are safe and we're going to get there uh, soon. You know, what can separate us from the love of Christ and nothing, literally famine, persecution, pestilence, nothing, you know, a pandemic cannot praise the Lord separate us from that. And so, you know, it's like, um, it feels a little bit like Nehemiah, you know, a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. Yeah. Building the wall uh, around this. So I'm happy to be building it with you guys. I'm honestly, I'm ha- I'll say this and we're done. Uh, having spent some time with some pastors that were so isolated and so alone, um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, it just wasn't my story. And I felt so great. I felt kind of guilty about it at first. And then I just remembered to feel gratitude because, you know, we haven't been alone. We've been, you know, you and I have been in the trenches together. We're surrounded by people that are together and not that we haven't gone through the ringer, but we've been able to do it together yeah. and, and continue to bring our hope back. And I'm super grateful for that. I'm super grateful for the people that, you know, take the time to even listen to this, you know, that we get Absolutely. to be, be a part of that as well of, of, uh, you know, the people that we know that, uh, we're all on the building the wall together yes. uh, with it. So thanks for that. It's great. This Sunday, we will continue, um, just the very last part of Romans chapter eight and start to roll into chapter nine, uh, as we get through this book, uh, hopefully maybe done by Easter. That's our new goal. We'll see. Um, re- regardless, yes, there's so much to, to continue to go through in, in chapter eight and into chapter nine. Um, what's true about you? You can join us this Sunday, 9 a.m., 11 a.m. online, uh, 11 a.m. Uh, live stream on YouTube. And of course, across all of our socials and at our website, you can get any information that you need. We are just, again, thankful that you choose to join us each and every week. And we'll do it again next week. 